party at our house this weekend. I'm excited for you. It looked I- like so much fun last year. Yeah, I'm excited too, which by the way, you can stop by if you want. So they have a party planning committee, just like on the office, <laughs> and a, it's an international company, so there's people from all over the world, and they planned one of the things to do is to get crabs this year. So they're also <laughs> having it catered, but they're getting crabs, and first off, they don't even know how to order crabs, but then they contact producer yesterday, and they were like, okay, they're going to get delivered to your house Friday night, and we asked them to bring extra ice so you can put them on ice overnight. No! Wait! <laughs> is it the party on Saturday? Yes! No! <laughs> Who was working at this crab shack? My God! And we were like, no. that's not how crabs work. So if you're not from Maryland, you eat steamed crabs approximately 30 minutes after yeah. they're steamed. Sometimes they're closer. They could burn your fingers. They're so hot. So what did they do? We had to, like, Jake was like, trying to message them last night like absolutely can't do that and then he had to like call the crab shack and be like you need to talk to someone from maryland because they had no idea what they were doing oh my god i don't understand why the crab place didn't interfere that's (laughs) what i'm disappointed they should have they should have been like when is your event we will deliver the crabs at this time you know what i'm saying yeah like CRB should not have been making the decisions. No, not on that. Not when you have somebody who's calling that like clearly has a British accent. Yeah. <laughs> or even like sounds like they're from, I don't know, Iowa. Oh like, my god. Steamed gosh. crabs are a Maryland delicacy. Yeah. Don't that is so fuck with funny. it. It was really funny. <laughs> is it figured out? It's figured out. Everything's been changed. So if Thank you want to crash this party, god. there's plenty of crabs. Four um, bushels. Four bushels. Okay. But we're not here to talk about crabs. <laughs> no. We could have a whole crab old bay podcast but we don't <laughs> uh no we are here to talk about things kind of under the sea this week though uh-huh. um <laughs> because we're here to talk about history on the rock with katie and Allie. this is a podcast where we talk about famous women in history and we talk about good women and bad women and fictional women and non-fictional women from all times and places because women have nuance but keep in mind we are drinking the entire time and we are not historians we're do- we're getting better yes <laughs> um this week i'm practically a historian yeah for this topic <laughs> um but you know i'm not gonna toot my own horn too much <laughs> um this is our alphabet season so yes. we are on uv we're getting very close to the end of the alphabet and then we're gonna throw some extra letters at the end or if it lines up with our beach vacation we might just stop yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll else. see <laughs> like a miniature season yeah katie and Allie mini series i like miniature it'll be like two episodes short <laughs> so i don't think any of our listeners actually count how many episodes are in each season. i don't know we've got some dedicated <laughs> we'll fans <laughs> um but you're busy you are busy you're delivering crabs to someone's house and they're so hot and god so bless you <laughs> bless you for your work and dedication um so not all heroes work you know. <laughs> they wear crabs yep so you're busy the boxes are hot you have old bay on your hands so you can't look at your phone to check out what these women look like so we're going to describe them for you so you can have a picture in your head while we're telling their story mm-hmm. we're gonna get a little physical physical Allie, who are you doing and what does she look like? I am doing the sea witch, <laughs> Ursula. I'm so excited. Who is amazing. <laughs> Ursula is a heavy set Sakailia, which is a half human, half octopod. Really? I and didn't know they had like a name. I found that out. <laughs> um, 
The human half of her body has a light lavender skin tone. She has short white hair, elaborate eye makeup, an arched brow, a large yellow C necklace. From the chest down, she is black with six tentacles dotted with suckers across the bottom. This form of her is famously modeled after Baltimore legend Divine, (laughs) which we've covered Ariel and Divine already. So this is like getting intense over here. Her human form is named Vanessa. That's a V. So I'm doing both this week. Oh, my God. And I was her for Halloween two years ago, and it was a masterpiece. (laughs) And she is a slim white woman with dark, long hair and has, like, these sexy, sharp features. She, You know, like how Ariel's 16? She's Mm -hmm. supposed to look like... 27 like yeah, 30 she she's she like a mature. woman yeah mm-hmm. um and in this form she continues to wear shades of purple uh and her elusive shell necklace <sighs> what who are you doing and what does <laughs> she look like I am doing Virginia Alduini the Countess of Castiglione I hope I'm not I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly I have yes. a- no idea who this is except for that i've always wanted to be a countess yes (laughs) um so she was known for her beauty okay um that was like her main thing she had long wavy blonde hair a fair complexion a delicate oval face and eyes that constantly changed color from green to an extraordinary blue violet so that is an exact quote of what she looked like oh whoa Mm -hmm. She had a lovely figure, which she loved to show off in her extraordinary dresses, which were typically off the shoulder with plunging necklines and full skirts. And we know exactly what she looked like because over 700 photographs of this woman exist. Wow. That she art directed herself. Oh, yes. In the late 1800s. Wow. <laughs> so she was like sitting for long periods of yes. time. And like, they were to really photos cool done. photos. Like, this is one I'll describe later, but like, look how cool oh, she that's is. Fun. Yeah. Oh, uh, I wish Yeesh. she had an Instagram account. I know, Let's just me open too. one for her. Yeah. And just post all her photos one a day. I'm just <laughs> for 700 obs- days. She took the most dramatic photos. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> She's great. All right. So, what am I drinking tonight, Allie? So, obviously, I had the make the drink purple ish. Mm-hmm. This drink is called Just Your Voice. <laughs> <laughs> and it is uh, an ounce of vodka, a half an ounce of slow gin. Um, a half an ounce of lemon juice, a big splash of purple grape power aid <laughs> because of the under the sea power struggle. Uh, and then you garnish it with black licorice and black berries. I love it. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. I love it. It's refreshing. It's really good. I love Powerade. Yeah. And I feel, I thought I put in too much Powerade, but Mm -hmm. I think there's enough vodka and slow gin to like counterbalance it. Yeah. Because it doesn't taste non-boozy. Right. It definitely tastes boozy. boozy. And I like this exaggerated garnish because when you put it in your drink, it looks like a ship sinking. Yes. And And it it really mm -hmm. counterbalances like the black on purple when it's together. I love it. (laughs) great um okay so tell me what you know about ursula the sea witch okay i know that she lives in the sea yeah i know that there's some kind of thing going on between her and triton but i never quite understood what happened between them Mm -hmm. i don't understand like i know 
she like he like banished her from under the sea i think um and i know she has like the bottom of an octopus she's modeled after divine as you said and she basically makes bargains with people uh that usually don't end up in their favor right (laughs) (laughs) typically um yeah those are all exactly right she is an absolutely amazing character i'm gonna not go through her story chronologically Mm -hmm. in the terms of her life but chronologically in terms of her story being written Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. what in what order we found things out about her because i think her story is just more dramatic the more you learn about her mm-hmm. okay so for a long time the first like thousand years or whatever of her existence she didn't have the name ursula hmm. she's like a different like species so first of all in mythology greek mythology the sea witch was named Morgana, and she was a main contributor to luring sailors to their deaths, oh. kind of like a siren would, um, which luring people in and kind of tricking them is really what Ursula does. It so is. it really connects well. Um, however, this uh, sea witch Morgana, after falling in love with a young hero who was sadly lost to the sea, she vowed to help other heroes and sailors in their travels, which we see Eric almost get lost to the sea. Mm-hmm. So, like, Disney's drawing on a lot of these things. This decision, though, caused her to be an outcast amongst her sisters. So helping the humans makes Morgana this outcast. But after trying to help a son of Ares, she gets impaled with a spear like in her stomach and dissolves into seafoam and that's like the greek mythology of this sea witch okay which a lot of those notes come back yeah over again getting stabbed in the stomach even though it's ariel falling in love and being rejected by her sisters like all of that kind of ties into her background yeah and we talked in the uh original little mermaid story about how like that's where we get the idea that like you know mermaids when they die turn into sea foam right yeah their souls are in sea foam interesting However, the more famous version doesn't come from Greek mythology. The Little Mermaid itself was a fairy tale written by Hans Christian Andersen, published in 1837. Neither the Little Mermaid or the Sea Witch had a name, just a title. And when the Little Mermaid first meets the Sea Witch, she is described as a disgusting old hag (laughs) who allowed a toad to eat from her mouth and had two water snakes as pets who she calls her chickens her chickens well because isn't it cute? you know the <laughs> disney version she's like calling them her poppies they're like oh, her yeah. babies like when there's flotsam and jetsam flotsam and jetsam, flotsam and jetsam. <laughs> yeah so that i mean again that comes back mm-hmm. that she had more eels but the same thing is true like a water snake the sea witch is explained as living in the dangerous part of the ocean so to Hans Christian Andersen, she is still a mermaid, but a okay. mermaid of ill repute. Ooh, She's okay. like not a well-thought-of woman. Mm-hmm. The Little Mermaid goes to see the sea witch because she wants a human soul. If you want to hear more about this, you can go to our Little Mermaid episode or Ariel episode from season one. Um, because mermaids didn't have souls and Ariel wanted the life of a human. Mm-hmm. 
To which she says, I can do that, but you have to pay me. Which is pretty typical in fairy tales. Like, magic has a price. Mm -hmm. You can't just, like, get magic. The payment for this potion will give her legs if she gives up her voice. The sea witch also goes to extreme lengths to explain to the Little Mermaid in detail what it will feel like when this happens to her. She says, once you become a human, you can't go back. Once you drink this, you're going to feel like a sword is passing through you, cutting legs. When you recover, you'll be able to dance beautifully, but it's going to feel like you're walking on sharp knives for the rest of your life. Finally, once you're human, you'll only get a soul if the prince falls in love with you. There is no time limit. He just has to fall in love with her. If he doesn't, She's going to die the day after he marries someone else and becomes seafoam forever. None of that is the doing of the sea witch. No. Yeah, she, she's very clear. She's telling her. Yeah. If you want to do this, these are the side effects. Yeah. She's being a witch doctor. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, she's giving her advice. Like, hey, here's yeah. what's going on. <laughs> I feel like it's, I mean, we have that even with just like regular doctors say, be like, hey. This might take care of your sciatica, but you might be nauseous and dizzy. And like, you know what I'm saying? There are always negative side effects to things, to reaching the things that we want. Oh, yeah. Because she's like, I'm going to give you all the information and then you get to make the decision whether or not to sign this contract. Like, it was not a trick. Yeah. I like that. I like it too. (laughs) I I like it. This also links back to the love story in mythology where the sea witch went against what she was supposed to do for the love of a young man, but then the man died. The sea witch is almost giving her like, and I've been there, sweetie, and like, you don't necessarily need to do this. (sighs) Yeah. And then furthermore, to make the potion, um, she not only cuts out Ariel's tongue to Mm -hmm. take her voice, Mm -hmm. but slices open her own chest to bleed into the potion wait ursula slices her chest cuts herself open to bleed into the potion so she's giving of herself to help ariel do this that paints her in such a different light it really does like because i do think you're right i think there's a little more um compassion that she's feeling for ariel of like i know how it feels to like love someone so much that like you want to change good for you. Yeah. And like, <laughs> and this is, it's, you shouldn't want to change yourself to be with yeah. this person. XYZ. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you've never read the actual little mermaid, then you don't know that her plan goes to shit. Mm-hmm. The prince treats her like a court jester who has to sleep at the end of his bed, like curled up like a dog. And he does not fall in love with her, but makes her dance for his court's amusement every night, no matter how much it hurts her feet. And then the prince gets engaged to someone else. But the Little Mermaid's sisters want to save her from becoming seafoam. So they go to the sea witch and trade their long, beautiful hair for a dagger. And they take the dagger to the Little Mermaid. And if she kills the prince and drips the blood on her fins, she'll turn back into a mermaid again. In both exchanges, the sea witch is not treated like a bad guy, but just the conveyor of power. Yeah. She's She's like. Because I think in the Disney movie, it's kind of seen as, like, she makes the rules. And in the original story, it doesn't seem like she does. Mm -hmm. She's like, this magic is out of my hands. This is what the magic does. This is what it will do. This is a sacrifice. Right. So here's what's going to happen, you know, if you want to. Well, and I think it's so important that 
Ariel is making all these decisions. Yeah. The whole time. She's not being, like you said, she's not being tricked at all. No. She knew exactly what was going to happen and chose to do it anyway. Yeah. In terms of this story, Hans Christian Andersen has been interpreted to have said many things. One, um, he's trying to show that the dangers of doing something permanent for unrequited love is that's a warning right like you shouldn't do this if you don't know the other person is going to love you back for which we understand that Hans Christian Andersen had a relationship with a man named Edvard Collin and he wrote The Little Mermaid around the time that he found out that Edvard was engaged to a woman so he's definitely feeling heartbroken he wrote a lot of love letters to this man and he's still choosing a life with a woman over being gay in the yeah. society in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, the sea witch is also interpreted as explaining the surgical procedures for gender reassignment. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people read that into the story. We do know this story was published about 100 years before the first transitional surgeries were attempted, mm-hmm. but it is an interesting read to think about somebody not wanting to be what they were born into. Mm-hmm. So it's a a great part of the story. Um, mostly, though, this story was an allegory for the life of Hans Christian Andersen and was giving cautionary advice to falling in love with somebody that you shouldn't be in love with quote shouldn't be quote shouldn't be in love with right Mm -hmm. so that's the background of the little mermaid in comes Ursula (laughs) the best this is she first gets the name Ursula in 1989 I'm three years old bopping around (laughs) this is one of the first movies I saw in the movie theater I had the sneakers, the lunchbox, the like, ah, uh, I was a mermaid fan. <laughs> Pat Carroll voiced the most famous version of the sea witch named Ursula in the 28th feature length Disney animated film, The Little Mermaid. We will get into the backstory that has been built for Ursula, but I want to start with the tale that we all know about her. The Disney organization first started looking into Little Mermaid as source material in the 1930s. But the fairy tale was eventually scrapped because of this sad ending. Um, They were like, we can't publish this where the mermaid fails in falling in love in the end and then become seafoam. That's terrible. But in the 80s, the Disney animation studio was moved to the back lot out of their building into trailers. After the initial success of movies like Snow White, Cinderella, and Sleeping Beauty, the studio pumped out a lot of films, but not a lot of moneymakers. Mm. Movies like The Black Cauldron, Peter Pan, Pinocchio, 101 Dalmatians, and The Jungle Book were cute and today are classically loved, but they didn't draw hordes of people to movies and they didn't have a lot of lucrative merchandise. Yeah. It's also like... I think that the VHS was such a game changer for mm. Disney. Yeah. It's like, we know them so well because like, we didn't have to just wait for the next Disney movie to come to we the theaters. Owned we owned all of them. Right. And it was magical. People had libraries <laughs> yeah. of them in their homes. <laughs> yeah. But the little mermaid brings Disney animation back into the spotlight so spoiler they it saves the animation department they get moved back into their building after little mermaid's success 
Um, one thing that had to be done was the characters had to be given names and personalities. Mm-hmm. And the sea witch was no different. She went from being an unnamed mermaid living in the rough part of town <laughs> to like a half octopus modeled after a drag queen. So like bold move, <laughs> a really bold move. During the planning, she's originally supposed to be a mermaid with a sideways tail. So you know how like the little mermaid, Ariel's family, their tails go up and down like a dolphin. Oh, Hers was supposed to be like, like back and forth like a shark. shark. Yeah. Mm. Or like a large fish of some sort. That's to be kind of hard in animation though to like really hammer home. Yeah. They've done it later on um in a lot of the newer sequels and stuff there are mermaids with like shark tails but i i think they just wanted something a little different Mm -hmm. and after the um the disney like animation team was like watching a whole bunch of documentaries to see what the different like sea creatures look like that they're gonna draw they saw this octopus documentary and they were like that is it it looks so intimidating with Mm. all of its like tentacles reaching out but because of time and money constraints they only drew six tentacles (laughs) so even though she is considered an octopus she never has eight tentacles like even once (laughs) it just costs too much to get those extra two in there because they were still hand drawing every single scene Mm. Which is so intense. What a time to be alive. <laughs> I miss hand-drawn animation. I know. I, know I sound a hundred, um, but... No, I absolutely agree. The Princess and the Frog was the last one from Disney. So, mm. from now on, we've got this uh, computer animated stuff. Ugh. Which is good. It's fine. But I liked it on Pixar. <laughs> I didn't like it on everything. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so then... Pat Carroll is brought on to do the voice and she starts to bring this character to life. She envisions a character that had like a failed life as a Shakespearean actress, but has a really good flair for being a used car salesman. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the way that Ursula is so big and Uh bold and voluptuous, but then also is like kind of tacky. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's her. (laughs) (laughs) And also Pat deliberately deepened her voice for the role of Ursula. Mm. So that's not exactly how she sounds in real life. When Ursula first appeared in the 1989 movie, she states through a monologue that she had once lived in the palace with King Triton. But nothing is expanded upon in the original movie. And that kept us wondering for years <laughs> what happened years <laughs> but um she was she brings up that she was eventually banished from atlantica and made her home in the decaying body of a leviathan so she's living in a like, i never thought about that i was i always knew it was some kind of bone structure yeah i never realized it was a leviathan yeah so the entrance to her home is like the mouth and uh-huh. the neck and then her like living room area with all yeah. her tinctures and things uh-huh. is like the belly oh that makes so much sense and when you fly in through the mouth and neck of this dead sea creature <laughs> it is lined with a garden of writhing palops, which we come to find out are merfolk who were Ooh. unable to fulfill their bargains with Ursula. The Palops are also part of the original fairy tale, but they were guards to the entrance of her home. Oh. They weren't like people who she had stolen their souls. <laughs> <laughs> Which is absurd. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. 
Um, Ursula commands her moray eels to watch Triton's youngest daughter because she's the most reckless and she Mm -hmm. wants to get back at him. Still, we don't know why, (laughs) but she does. When the opportunity arises that Ursula finds out that Ariel is crushing on a human and she has a fight with her dad and her dad blows up the man statue, she sends her eels to bring Ariel back to her Mm -hmm. for a compromise. Mm -hmm. Which that scene is devastating. When he blows up her collection. It's so upsetting. I hate it. so upsetting. I would have gone with those eels too. Yeah, I would have too. I would have been furious. Yeah. Oh, God. She'd been collecting that stuff for years. And it's so frustrating because he literally destroys all of it. Mm -hmm. Like, not just the statue, whatever. Like Like the dingle hopper. (laughs) And it's, I think it's also, I think it hit home for a lot of like young girls because especially if you grow up in a big household, a lot of people, like you don't have that many spaces that are completely your own. And I think that was what hit home for me the most. I was like, if someone came into like my bedroom, like this one space I have in this house for me and like just destroyed everything, like it would break my fucking heart. And like when you're that age, you have like little trinkets in your room that like mean a lot to you Mm -hmm. that you've found over the years or Mm -hmm. that you got on vacation or that people bought for you. And it's like the... Because you don't have any money, your items are like your whole worth. Yeah. So it's very Mm. devastating. This is where we get one of the best Disney songs of all time. (laughs) It's true. Poor Unfortunate Souls, which is on my running mix just because it's so (laughs) devious and I love it. Um, Where again, Ursula describes pretty much what is going on she doesn't only tell ariel the deal that she's making with her but she tells her the deals that she's made in the past yeah she's she's pretty pretty clear on her character (laughs) and my favorite line of the whole song because it's so true and i also kind of believe it of myself (laughs) she says now it happens once or twice someone couldn't pay the price and i'm afraid i had to rake them across the coals now i've had the odd complaint but on the whole i've been (laughs) a saint (laughs) like i find that to be such a good line yeah because she's like yeah i destroy people i do yeah because they can't pay me but i told them to pay me yeah it's like (laughs) I, she's like, I think she is very much declaring in this thing. She's like, this is a business. Mm-hmm. It's not personal, even though it is personal. Yeah, it comes for to this Ariel. one it is. For this one it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she's like, these are the rules. I'm not, I, it's kind of like how I think that like Martha Stewart is <laughs> a person who's like, this is how it works. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like, I know how to do this and I know how to do it correctly. Right. So I'm not going to suffer people who don't do it correctly. Right. I don't suffer fools. Exactly. Sorry. I don't. I just get that attitude from Ursula. Yeah. And it's like, did you read the terms? In a, yeah. Like, and it's also like, she's like, conditions. it's not my fault that people are unhappy. Right. Like <laughs> the boss is on a roll. It's my, it's my <laughs> favorite. The boss is on a roll. <laughs> I love her so much. <sighs> but yeah, you're right. She's very honest. Yeah. She tells her, yeah, these people here, these souls, she's showing them what she's saying. This is what I'm going to do to you if you don't, you know, if you break this deal. Mm -hmm. So then the deal goes, she gets to go above the water for three days and has to get Eric to kiss her, which like, 
honestly shouldn't be that hard. Like, get him drunk. Right. I don't, like, promote getting someone yeah. drunk and taking advantage of them. <laughs> but, like, if you're going to die, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe try it. Um, and she can stay with him on Earth mm-hmm. if he kisses her. And then, um, if not, she has to return to the sea and is bound in Ursula's lair forever. Ariel agrees, signs the contract. Mm -hmm. Her voice is sung into Ursula's necklace. Her body begins to jerk, and she's transformed into a human without... um, Unable to breathe or swim under the water, which is really rude. She could have died right there. Maybe give her like a little bit of extra help. (laughs) But her buddies swim her to the surface in this like dramatic backlit. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And this is an Ariel story, so we don't care about that. But Ursula is watching her the mm-hmm. entire time. Mm-hmm. And when she comes a little bit too close to completing her task of kissing Eric, Ursula decides that she is going to become her human alter ego and intervene in the relationship. See, this is where... This is messed up. This is messed up. She and should not do this. No. And this is why I think... It, this is why I think it cements her as a villain. Right. Because if she hadn't have done this, and also, like, she bewitches Eric. It's not even just uh-huh. that, like, Vanessa comes in and she's hot. Yeah. It's that she is actually bewitching him. And is, like, using Ariel's <laughs> voice to trick him. Yes! Ariel had previously mm. sang to him on the beach. Mm. So, so rude. Also, it should be said here that the Vanessa version of Ursula is voiced by Jodie Benson. So, Ariel's voice voices Vanessa. That's cool. I know. I didn't know that until I was doing this research because yeah. I love Jodie Benson. She mm-hmm. is the head Disney princess mm-hmm. in Disneyland, like literally, because <laughs> she's been the only person to ever voice Ariel. And I love her. Okay. And she's so stinking cute. She is cute. Ugh, unbelievable. So now we've got Vanessa. She is her beautiful, dark haired, like rival of mm-hmm. Ariel. This version of Ursula bewitches Eric to marry her, but at the wedding, a brigade of sea creatures (laughs) and fowls ambush this barge to stall the wedding until Ariel can get there to prove her love. And then a whole bunch of things happen simultaneously. They kiss, but not in time. Ariel becomes a mermaid, and she's like, I'm sorry, Eric. And then Eric is, like, thrown into the water. And then Triton agrees to take Ariel's place and is turned into a little polyp. And then Ursula has the trident. And she becomes monster Ursula. Huge, huge. I never will understand that choice. No. Why did she grow that big? (laughs) 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 Lightning flashing. She's got his crown. I just was it because of like the Godzilla thing at the time? Maybe. Yeah, I I think that choice. I think because she was already such a large presence. I don't think it was enough for her to just get the trident and a crown. I think that they had to show that. Like, also, she had to take on a whole ship. So Ariel knows Ursula knows how to take up space. (laughs) She's so good at it. Um, Ariel ends up diving in and saving Eric, who was thrown in the water. And then Eric comes up and rams the bow of a ship into the giant belly of Ursula. And lightning flashes, and she kind of, like, shrinks back down. And then all the merfolk souls are released. And that's 
the end before there's that magical rainbow again on the barge. <laughs> rainbow wedding and Triton's like, Ooh, oh. And the Ariel wears the hot dress, unlike yes. her wedding dress. Right. That wedding dress was trash. Trash. She wears the <laughs> sparkly V-neck scoop back. Yes. Like, short in the front, love that. I, her I feel like I've been looking for that dress all my life. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't exist <laughs> not in my size anyway <laughs> not in my size or my price range <laughs> or anything <laughs> won't go with my coloring man that dress you're right it's so good and it's so much better than her wedding dress and that's yeah. what makes me mad yeah what also is the 80s so we have to forgive the wedding dress right it's like modeled after princess diana's like <laughs> ridiculous dress okay just the sleeves <laughs> that's the, the sound i imagine those sleeves yeah. make <laughs> Okay. Now, for a very long time, we all had the the concept of Ursula from this movie. And we were like, but where was she before she was kicked out of the castle? All mm-hmm. I want is a movie about mm-hmm. Ursula and Triton, soap opera style backstory, mm-hmm. best idea ever. And then we started to get some inclination at hinting from Disney in 2006 that Ursula was Ariel's aunt. And we're trying to figure that out. It's the DVD Platinum Edition that comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. And set yourself. Listen. It's 2006. The Platinum Edition has just dropped. Out of the vault. Out of the out Disney of the vault. vault. <laughs> Remember they used to have Tinkerbell like spin yes. the vault fly out. <laughs> Okay. It's- Tinkerbell's the original Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> Getting into that vault. <laughs> Does it say Disney on the floor? <laughs> Woo, there we go. <laughs> Jinx. Steel. <laughs> okay. So, it's out of the vault. And we they say, you know, we were going to make it so that Ursula was King Triton's sister who was banished. But we kind of dropped that when it was just too much for the movie. Mm-hmm. Could have been one extra sentence. <laughs> what? One. Could have been sentence. one extra. My sister. <laughs> two words. Right. Aunt Sea Witch. <laughs> <laughs> one word. Okay. And um, we learn in additional TV series and movies and sequels and prequels that Ursula has a sister named Morgana. So now we're back to okay. the original Sea Witch. It's so funny because when you said that, I was like, like, I, I know think this that's name. her sister's name. It is. Okay. So that's where it comes from. Perfect. Um, so here's what we know now. Ursula and her younger sister Morgana were raised by their unnamed mother in the palace in the kingdom of Atlantica, similar to Triton. In the Broadway musical... And the famous novel, Poor Unfortunate Souls, both approved as Disney canon. (laughs) Ursula is King Triton's younger sister, at least half-sister. So their lineage is linked through Poseidon, who's a huge slut. So they had the same dad, who was Mm -hmm. a god, and Mm -hmm. different moms. Okay. Okay. Um... So in the musical, when Poseidon dies, he gives equal shares of the sea to his children, Triton and Ursula. And he gave them each a magical instrument, giving Triton the trident and Ursula the magical nautilus shell, which she wears. Mm -hmm. From early in Ursula's childhood, 
she was her mother's favorite, favored okay. over Morgana because of her ability to wield magic. So I'm imagining Morgana has a different father also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and her like Ursula like yearned for power, unlike her sister. After both Ursula's parents die, she like feels like King Triton is taking more than his due of the ocean when it was supposed to be split equally Mm -hmm. and ursula tries to duplicate his trident by making a bunch of dark tridents and she tries to take over his section that's rightfully hers and then some of his (laughs) with this like little army with their dark tridents he ends up halting this attack and then banishes her from the kingdom okay even though in this story, Triton's wife, Queen Athena, who we see in Ariel Begins, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. now the common lore is that it is Captain Hook's boat that killed her. Have you seen that? I think so, So, yeah, yeah because in Ariel Begins, the mermaid that plays Ariel's mom looks strikingly like one of the mermaids <sighs> in Peter Pan. Okay, I haven't seen that, so I'm going to look at that. Yeah, <laughs> she like, same hair coloring, same bra color, same tail color. Um, whole thing. So Queen Athena is like, don't banish your sister. That's like a dumb idea. Like, please don't do that. Uh, but he does anyway, banishing Ursula with, oh, did you find a picture? Uh huh. Yeah. How strikingly similar. It was exactly what, it was exactly the one I thought it was too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The mermaid who's like splashing when mm-hmm. <laughs> she doesn't do that in her old age. She's like a good mom. <laughs> 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 what is the line? We're just wanting her to drown. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I loved the mermaids. Yeah. They were also exactly who they presented themselves. They're like, we're assholes. Yeah. We're so catty. (laughs) I love that. I always wanted to be one of them. Well, the problem is, okay, Peter is has no idea what's going on around him. No. He doesn't understand what's going on with with Tinkerbell, with the lost boys. With Wendy. With Wendy. <laughs> with the mermaid. With, with, with Tiger Lily. Yeah. He has no idea what's happening. He's just a jerk. He's a jerk. Yeah. He has no idea. The f- <laughs> I also just thought about this. It's like, I guess it kind of makes sense that like so many of the women on this island are like, I want to be with Peter because like there aren't that many. <laughs> it's Captain Hook, Smee, yeah. one of the pirates. Well, and I guess like. All of the uh, people in the Native American, Native American, yeah. Native, uh, Native I- Neverlandian, Neighbor- Native Neverlandians, First, First Nation people of Neverland, First Nation Neverlanders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's very, it's a very odd setup that island. Yeah, I need to get into that. We need to have a whole episode on that. Yeah, we probably should. Yeah, we should do like a bonus episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the <laughs> you guys want us to watch Peter Pan and break oh, it down? We should do it with producer. He's yes! fun on episodes like I that. I love that. Because he just hates me. <laughs> okay, so Ursula's banished. She's living inside of a dead carcass. And this is when she begins luring in mermaids to making unfavorable deals that are kind of <laughs> rigged in her favor. <laughs> That's all we know about Ursula and her story. Now, there is a large group of Ursula supporters, such as myself, (laughs) that pin the terrible situations in the story on Triton. Mm -hmm. And here's why. One, Ursula is single-handedly trying to overturn the patriarchy. (laughs) Like, he is in charge of the sea, and she was supposed to have an equal portion, and Mm -hmm. he took more than his due. 
Ursula is willing to talk to Ariel about her extreme teenage lustiness, whereas Triton was like, not another word. Like, shut it down, blew up her shit, wouldn't Mm -hmm. talk to her, and Ursula is willing to let Ariel make her own mistakes. Now, she also intervenes with the whole Vanessa thing, but fine. (laughs) Ursula takes up space, like I said, and wears badass red lipstick that she gets out of that snail Uh, shell. Remember that? It is a actual sense memory in <laughs> my brain <laughs> when she smacks her lips <laughs> yes it, god that's i i'm gonna say it too that is a thing with hand-drawn animation where like i felt like things like that i could feel it yeah i it's happening to it's, me <laughs> to me with me around me it's grand that sea polyp is happening to me <laughs> um ursula understands that sex appeal can work in a woman's favor and is not afraid to use it. You can't underestimate the power of body language. <laughs> Isn't it? I love her. Isn't it? That's that <laughs> Ursula is willing to talk to this teenage girl about body image, about gender roles, and the way in which she's going to be expected to act in society. She's like, it's the one who holds her tongue who gets the man. <laughs> <laughs> like this one wanted to be thinner this one wants to get the girl (laughs) do i help them yes i do okay and um ariel did sign a legal binding fully described contract between two consenting merfolk (laughs) so a lot of people really feel like um ursula has not gotten her redemption story but as we know there is a new live action little mermaid coming out i think in 2024 they're filming it now okay um it's cast i didn't write down who was cast as ursula there was a big uproar when they cast a black ariel but who gives a shit she's mermaid and also it's like purple (laughs) what are you talking about she's a complete mythological creature right doesn't matter <laughs> doesn't fucking matter no. and like the girl they chose they chose it because she's such a good singer exactly and like that's the thing about Oriole's her voice yeah so supposed to be the best voice in the sea yeah oh, Duh. i can't wait to see who they cast as ursula i know and you i'm know? wondering if they put i think they will because they've done this in the other live action ones i think they're gonna put some backstory in there that we okay. didn't get i think so too um, they did it with Jungle Book, Cinderella, and Beauty and the Beast. They did mm-hmm. not do it with Lion King. It's just a replica of the movie, yeah. mm-hmm. almost exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they will. I think they might add some of the stuff that's been in the Broadway musical for decades now. I bet they will. And I don't know if it's announced who is going to play her, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Queen Latifah because be a good she one. did a live uh, performance of Poor Unfortunate Souls, and it was so so good you know who else has done a really good ursula performance is rebel wilson <gasps> yes she did. she did at the hollywood bowl yeah i want to go to one of those things so bad they like play the disney movie and then have people come out and sing the songs because i think sarah exactly. Bareilles sang some of um ariel's songs god it sounds so cool that's the only thing i'll go to the west coast for <laughs> it's melissa mccarthy really is she a singer I don't know. I think that's what I'm seeing. Disney's live action Little Mermaid cast and characters. Ursula and Melissa McCarthy. I mean, she's definitely like 
her personality is outrageous. Oh enough. my god, Aquafina's scuttle. <laughs> Okay, this is gonna All be right. a perfect Sorry, movie. Perfect movie. <laughs> Get over it, everyone. I'm into it. Okay, well, that's it. That's her story. <laughs> I love it. I love Ursula. I know. All right, we'll be right back with part two. Goodbye. Right, so I have no idea <laughs> who this person is that you're about to do. The Countess Virginia. The Countess. I'm so excited. Her story is pretty bananas. Okay. Um, that I w- I'm sad that we don't have more information on her. That was, it was like one of those stories where I was like, I want to be in this woman's world for much longer right. than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to know what you're about to drink? Yes. It looks delicious. It looks <laughs> summery. And it's so hot back here. So that would be. So this is called Narcissist Supreme. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, It is gin, Aperol, Amaretto. Um, You top it with champagne and you garnish it with an orange wheel and cocktail caviar. This cocktail is just out of control. It's very fancy. It's very, very Cheers. fancy. Cheers. <laughs> I just spilled all over my bottle. I'm sorry. It was very, very full. Okay, I should have <laughs> sipped. I should have sipped. Yeah. Um, it's really good. Mm. Um, you know, it's funny because we used orange soda last week, but this, because of the champagne and like the other ingredients, it kind of tastes like a flavored soda. It does. Yeah. Mm. I wish the amaretto was coming through a little bit more. So you might want to just put a little bit more in there. But okay, but I like it. I can taste it like on the end. Like yeah, in, like once I swallow, it's like you can tell that there's amaretto in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and any excuse to use cocktail caviar because that's really it's literally just for the looks of it. Well, I mean, <laughs> so is narcissism, <laughs> mm-hmm. just for the looks of it. Uh, I love that she uh, might be a supreme narcissist. She is. Oh, yeah. It's the best. Okay, good. Um, so what do you know about Virginia Alduini? Okay, so I know <laughs> she's a countess. I know, which means you have to marry a count, mm-hmm. which I love, mm-hmm. like Count Dracula mm-hmm. um, from Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that she loved to have pictures taken of herself mm-hmm. and that she's described as a narcissist, but maybe she just thought she was beautiful. I think so. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about her because I don't know anything about her life. And I am excited to compare her oh, to yeah. Ursula. So ver- oh, I want to cite my sources. Uh, I got it from Wikipedia. Vice.com had a great uh, article about her. And Fascinate.com had the most information. Okay. Um, because it is hard to find information about this woman. Okay. <laughs> so if I got it wrong, blame that website. <laughs> Virginia Elizabetta, Luisa Carlotta, Antoinetta, Teresa Maria. Sounds like her mom was an <laughs> Arsene. <laughs> was born on March 22nd, 1837, in Florence, Tuscany, to Marquis Filippo Alduini and Isabella Lamporecci. Okay, so she just had every, every white name. girl middle name that's Everyone. ever existed. Which is so funny because her mom is Isabella, and that's not even anywhere in her name. Mm. Could have been, but wasn't. Mm. Um, 
<laughs> her parents were members of the minor Tuscan nobility. Now, we don't know too much about her childhood, but we can assume that she grew up very privileged, but also like any good noble daughter, uh, worth her salt, completely ignored by her father. Oh. <laughs> so she was educated by her grandfather, Antonio Ranieri. Uh, he often called her by her nickname, Nichia. That's cute. It is very cute. Um, But it seems like he may have been the only one in the house to have any positive interest in her. Because as Virginia started to grow up, it became clear that she was going to be a total knockout. And as young, gorgeous girls growing up in, you know, or as a young, gorgeous girl growing up in a circle of Italian nobility, it meant that there was no shortage of men trying to sleep with her, like even when she was just a teenage girl. And her parents, instead of discouraging this, absolutely loved it and encouraged these gross old men to make advances towards her. So they're like, they're not trying to like set her up for an early prosperous marriage. They're just like, yes, uh, like victimize our daughter. They're doing that too. Oh, okay. They're doing both. They're doing both. Okay. Um, my personal theory is that they're described as a minor nobility. So I think they're trying to marry up through her. Okay. Um, to major nobility. Exactly. <laughs> and by the time she was just 17 years old, they found the man who could do just that. His name was Francesco Verassis, and he was the Count of Castiglione. How much older than her is he? 12 years. Okay. But Which, back then, that was Back decent. then, that... Okay. And also, like, when I did the math, I was like, okay, so he's only, like, 29. And she's 17. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, I, it's Not terrible. good. It's not not good. I don't it's like not it. great, but it's like, that <laughs> happens now, like, in Hollywood. So. Yeah. And also, like, to be clear, like, 29 in the 1800s mm. was, like, a hard 29. Mm. Uh, and also, so it's like Zach Braff. Yeah. <laughs> you are really hating on them. I love them. I love their couple too. I love it. I just find it so people trash them online. Yeah. Their relationship. Like I have zero problem with it. They just really are like 12 years apart and people mm-hmm. cannot get over it. They can't get over it. <laughs> um, so... But the other bad, because it's not just his age. Apparently, he also was not that good looking. <laughs> oh, no. He was not, a gargoyle? Yeah, they were not within two points of each other on a one to ten oh, scale. Oh, shoot. What's he, though? Like a four or uh, like a two? Uh, I'm going to say, I don't know. Okay. But based off of... Description. Not even description. No. I have no idea what he looked like. I'm just going to say that she was a ten and he was a four. That's a big gap. It's a big gap. It's a six point gap. Six. <laughs> should name the cocktail that six point gap (laughs) you cannot i mean a three point gap is drastic enough (laughs) six point is outrageous um so he's not good looking but she did get what her parents were looking for because now she is the countess of castiglione Oh my gosh. Okay. I also hope I'm pronounced Castiglione. Castiglione. I feel like it's Castiglione. There's yeah. a G in there. Yeah. Who knows? It's Italian, yeah? Yes. Okay. Then I think you don't pronounce Castiglione. it. Castiglione. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but thankfully, Virginia did get to have some fun before her unfortunate marriage. Uh, it is said that she sowed her wild oats in her teen years, which I love when people describe women as having wild oats because I feel like it's usually only for men. I thought your oats were all in your womb. Yeah. <laughs> the men are sowing. Ah, she was throwing them she, everywhere. She was accepting her wild oats. <laughs> um, but 
Wait, so there isn't like a big thing about virginity in this nobility? I'm sure there is, oh, okay. but I don't she think just she was cared to deal with it. Yeah, okay. Uh, she had a rather infamous and steamy affair with a hot naval officer right before her wedding. Um, which good for you, girl. Mm. Her marriage was not great, but there was one bright spot: her son Giorgio. He was born in 1855, about a year into her marriage, and she really loved him, and she loved spoiling him. He was the absolute, just, like, light of her life. But another very interesting thing happened in 1855. The little family traveled to Paris. Uh, Her husband was probably going for some count duties or whatever it was he needed to do. But there was a whole other reason for Virginia being there, besides simple spousal support. Shortly before her trip, she received word from her cousin, Camilo, the Count of Cavour. Uh, He was the minister of Victor Emmanuel II, the king of Sardinia. So this is when Italy was not united yet. Okay, so it's a section in Italy. Italy. I was very confused. (laughs) So the king of Sardinia was in the middle of trying to convince the French emperor, Napoleon III, the grandson of big little Napoleon, to help unify Italy. So that's what he wanted to do. He was like, Mm -hmm. I want us to all be one country. I'm sick of these tiny little kingdoms. You know, I want us to all be one. Um, And he, so Camilo thought, well, I think my cousin's special skills might be able to help. Special skills, meaning that she was super hot. Mm. Uh, So always down for a good time, Virginia was all in on this plan to seduce the leader of France and get him to join their cause. So the grandson of Napoleon. (laughs) The grandson of Napoleon. Mm -hmm. I got excited because I thought she had an affair with regular Napoleon, Mm -hmm. but no. Mm -hmm. This is like Napoleon twice removed. Got it. Now, Camilo didn't tell her specifically to sleep with him. He just said, quote, succeed by whatever means you wish, but succeed. And he probably winked a lot when he did it. (laughs) it? (laughs) So Virginia is in France. She's ready to spy and she's ready to sleep with someone besides her husband. (laughs) And it didn't take long for Napoleon III to notice Virginia because let's face it, everyone noticed Virginia. Mm. And soon the affair was off to the races. You see, Virginia loved a few things. She loved sex. She loved attention. She loved crazy, dramatic costume dresses. (laughs) She loved making an entrance. And I think it all ties back to the fact that she most of all loved herself. She was often dubbed a supreme narcissist. And I'm going to describe how it would often go for her at parties. And this is going to be comprised of quotes from real people who wrote (laughs) about their encounters with the Countess. So wait, is she a kept mistress? Like she is exclusively his mistress? We'll say that. She's She's often described as a mistress of him. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if she was also sleeping with other men. Okay. She might have been because she was wild. Right. But was um, he like giving her money and things to yeah, accommodate he was, her he, life? Uh, well, her husband was doing that. <laughs> so I don't <laughs> So I don't know if he was doing that because okay. I feel like a kept mistress in a court like that is like a single woman. You're who supposed to have another. Woman, yeah. Right? Who's and supposed you to take be. care of them financially. Yeah. And they so just have sex with you on I, the side. Yeah. No, she was just sleeping with him, I think. 
Um, so <laughs> that's powerful. That's it's power. Very powerful. She would enter the room like quote Venus descended from Olympus. True. And then she would quote <laughs> allow people to admire her as if she were a shrine. <laughs> she would just like strike a pose. Yeah. She almost never spoke to women. She just was like, you do nothing for me. You cannot help me in my (laughs) mission. Well, imagine if you're that pretty, there's a jealousy factor from other people because women didn't like. No. So (laughs) So this is how she would like start the evening. Like it was like, she's gorgeous. She's intimidating. She's Venus. And they announced you when you walked in, right? You would be like announced and you Mm -hmm. descend down the stairs or whatever. Exactly. Right. Uh, But if you ever got a chance to talk to her, she was so (laughs) self-absorbed that, quote, (laughs) after a few moments, she began to get on your nerves. I mean, same. <laughs> because she also had this um, little thing where she liked to talk about herself and write about herself in the third person. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is an actual thing she wrote about herself. <laughs> the Eternal Father did not know what he was creating the day he sent her into the world. He modeled and modeled. And when he was finished, he looked at his wondrous work and was overwhelmed. He left her in a corner without assigning her a place. She's literally saying, I'm too beautiful for this world. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. That sounds like the lyrics to that song. Yeah. She's like, God created me. And I'm perfect. And I'm perfect. I'm so beautiful that he didn't even know where to put me. I love self-confidence. I love this. very confident. I'm like really proud of her actually about it. So she thought a lot of herself, obviously, and betting the emperor so quickly with that was even more proof for her that she was the shit, (laughs) which eventually got her into some trouble. So it was a fact of life back then that kings and emperors and whatever had mistresses and their wives would look the other way. But in order to look the other way, there was also kind of an understanding that the mistresses would be low key, like we were talking about. It's like they were usually like single women or like women of lesser nobility. You wouldn't embarrass them in parties and stuff. Yeah. God, no. (laughs) But that was difficult for Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) She loved being the center of attention at any event. Oh, no. And at one infamous party... She went a bit too far. (laughs) She Mm -hmm. entered the ball on Napoleon's arm. She was like, we will walk in together, which should never happen. No, that's not okay. That's not okay. Now I'm mad for this wife. I'm like angry for her. Oh, yeah. And Empress Eugenia was a very uh, pious woman. Like she hated that he had affairs, but she was like... Also, like, well, I'm not going to sleep with you if you're having affairs. And he goes, this is why I'm fucking sleeping with other women. Right. Like, because she, she, she also fairly was like, you're sleeping with all these women. I'm not going to get an STD. She stood her ground and was like, I don't want to get sick. Look, I'm not going to get sick. So, like, if you're going to do it, whatever. But, like, I'm not going to also sleep with you. Because, yeah, I don't want an STD. I don't want syphilis. No, right. thank you. Yeah. So, she entered the ball. On his arm, looking very smug, and dressed in one of her favorite little numbers. 
It has since been called the Queen of Hearts dress. It was a gorgeous, off-the-shoulder dress that had a low sweetheart neckline with hearts all over it. And one more feature. It was rather sheer, and she wasn't wearing a corset. (laughs) Oh, girl! That is... Mm. What year? Corsets are full in display too, right? Like, this what year is it? Eighteen fifty-five. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You have to be in a corset up through like at least nineteen ten. Yeah, something yeah. like that. This caused Empress Eugenia, who normally I think like stayed out of it, she got up, walked over to her in front of everyone, looked her up and down, and said, "The heart is a bit low, madam," meaning. We can see your boobs and you look like a slut. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. I mean, stand your, at that point, throw your drink in her face. Oh like, my God. Stand your ground. Mm-hmm. Like, because I even, like, I think about the scene in Mad Men a lot where, like, Don Draper is embarrassed by Megan when oh, she does that, like, zoobie, zoobie, yeah. Zoobie. I think about that a lot and it's like, I don't think you should slut shame your partner. Like if you're at a party and you're drinking and like whatever, like that's life, like deal with the situation, but don't walk in at the beginning of the party with a woman who you know is going to raise eyebrows when your wife is pious and Mm -hmm. celibate. Like that's terrible. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's, and this is the thing. Virginia is not a person who doesn't know how shit works. She knows. She fucking knows. She knows exactly what she's doing. <laughs> Rude. Rude, girl. And let's not also forget that there is another jilted spouse present for all this. <gasps> I forgot Her he's there. husband, Francesco, is there. Oh and he is God. not pleased, to say the least. His wife is having an extremely public affair in a foreign court. That's embarrassing. And even though she's like, no, honey, I'm here to spy. He's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't even think you give a fuck. I think you would have done this anyway. (laughs) (laughs) She was also, to add on to all of this, like, public embarrassment, she was quickly sending them into bankruptcy. Her expensive taste in... Everything was costing a pretty penny. And by the end of 1855, they got married in 1854. He was done. But Napoleon should be paying for this shit. He should be. But she already has a a guy paying for all of it. So, like, why would he spend his money on her? (gasps) So, Francesco is embarrassed. He's nearly broke. And just overall pissed. So he announces their separation in 1855 and officially divorces her in 1857, saying that their separation was irrevocable. I'm also curious, where is Giorgio? He's there. And where did Now he's a baby. Where did her stretch marks go? If they're married in 54 and she's having this in 55, I'm 13 years in and I can't (laughs) get rid of those bitches. How did she do it in three months? I don't know. Wear a non-corseted gown. I don't know. Good jeans, I guess. Good jeans. It's that Italian Um, breeding. I actually, I did know a woman named Kate, Kate Mangione who had a bazillion kids, but yeah. she was also, uh, she was my l- lacrosse coach cause she was an all-star lacrosse player. Yeah. 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 And uh, there was one time she like had twins and was back on the lacrosse pitch yeah. in like two weeks and looked exactly how she did before. Yeah. She had pregnant, there are, pregnant. there are women who your skin is just genetically tighter. And like I, th- it just I goes actually, back. I'm going to say, I think it's an Italian thing because she okay. was very Italian. Kate. 
Heidi Klum did that. Yeah. She was on the catwalk in six weeks for the Victoria's Secret show. Now she does condemn. She's like, I should not have worked that hard. Like it yeah. wasn't healthy for me, but like, you know. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> Kate Mangione was not trying to uh, <laughs> please anyone. She no. just liked lacrosse like, that much. She just looked like that. Yeah. She yeah. just looked like that. I, re- I really do yeah. believe that. Um, she was also a twin. I don't know how they, that has anything to do with it. But mm. anyways. So. Half the uterus, <laughs> half the stretch marks. <laughs> That's how it goes. So her affair with Napoleon III was also rather short-lived. Now, the dates on this are a little fuzzy. Some say it lasted years until 1860. And others say it didn't even last a year. I'm not quite sure. But apparently, whenever it really finally ended, it did not end well. Oh, it was like Um, a big mm -hmm. fight. No one's really sure what happened. But something (laughs) offended the emperor. And she was basically kicked out of France for a bit. But a year later in 1861, she was back. She just couldn't stay away from this place, this country that she now truly considered her home. Uh, And, of course, she came back with a bang, having tons of high-profile affairs with the director of the Louvre, a member of the Rothschild family. I don't think I knew the Louvre was that old. And many others. Uh, And apparently it was not cheap to have a dalliance. With Virginia. <laughs> the Marquis Richard Seymour Conway once apparently paid her one million francs for just 12 hours of her company. Oh, my God. Listen, <laughs> dress me like yeah. a tutor, but don't treat me like one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she knows what she's worth. <laughs> um, but as scandalous as her love life was with other people and frankly herself, she also had a very intense relationship with something else. And this is the camera. And this is also another reason why she couldn't stay away from France. When she first came around 1856, she began sitting for Meyer and Pearson, photographers favored by the Imperial Court of France. And she became obsessed with photography. She, not surprisingly, loved having her photograph taken, but soon she started to take more control over the photo shoots. Pierre-Louise Pearson was a master photographer, and he was especially adept at hand-painting the photos, which was really popular back then, um, but very expensive. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, It was used at the time to add color and depth to the obviously black-and-white photographs. And... She kind of started exerting control, 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 and then she was running the entire show. Like, she would even, like, have him take a photo and be like, I'm going to adjust the camera. Which is, like, photos took forever to print back then. She's, like, like, the director of the shoot. She is. She is. She's directing the shoot. And she was very specific when it came to costumes, sets, scenery, and the ways in which images should be painted and embellished afterwards. Some were given to the artist Akiyin Shad. I don't know if that's how it's Akalin. I don't know. Mm. Akalin Shad to overplay with gouache paint, which is like a type of watercolor, while others she painted herself. She typically liked to paint the ones where she felt like there was an unflattering angle or Mm. lighting. (laughs) Let me get rid of that double chin. Mm -hmm. So she was photoshopping her own pictures to make herself look her very best. 
which she could obviously only entrust herself with doing. <laughs> I mean, you know the wrinkles and blushes yeah. that you don't like. Yeah. And like, I... It's not like girl totally, could get Botox. No, exactly. And she's like, all right, like if I can't fix it on myself with chemicals quite yet, I'm going to fix it on the photo. People will remember me well. Exactly. <laughs> These photos gave her a chance to preserve not only her beauty, but also her most favorite outfits and costumes, including the Queen of Hearts dress, which in a way made her feel as if she was preserving iconic moments of her own life. So she was kind of recreating these big moments for herself. She was like, that ball where the queen like embarrassed me or whatever, she goes, that's a big moment in my life. And that was like, again, she's like, I knew what I was doing. So I want to remember that. And I this want is, people to remember that. This, this is, is the dress. Instagram. This is. Yes. <laughs> this <laughs> it is it. Truly is. Um, Virginia Graham. Yeah. <laughs> she would also employ her son, Giorgio, into her photographs. Um, he was not as good at staying still as his mother, but it did make him the most photographed child of the 19th century. Damn. There's so many pictures of him. Not Anastasia? No, apparently not. She was picture she, perfect. Yes, she was. As the years went on, the photos got more creative. She wore ornate headpieces and masks and capes, and she would pose in the photographs as if she were in action. And to no surprise to anyone, she liked incorporating mirrors into her photo shoots. So it would be like a big full-length mirror and her standing with her back to the camera. But you can obviously see her whole self in the mirror. She wanted to look at herself looking at a camera looking at herself? Yes. I love her. <laughs> I love her! I know. She's the best. <laughs> and... Then another one, she's like sitting down. Her son is like off to the side, blurred, because obviously he's, he's a child. Running around, yeah. He's running around. And she is sitting with her back to the camera, holding a hand mirror so you can just see her face in the mirror. It's such a cool photo. It's really fucking cool. <laughs> I'm like always searching for those moments. I know. Like, she is so artsy and in one of my favorite photos in the photo i showed you she's kind of sitting profile holding holding up like this square thing with a big oval in it so you can just see her eye it almost looks like a small book but apparently it's the opening of a camera it's like a peekaboo yeah kind of saying i'm looking through the camera while the camera's looking at me while you're looking at the photo that the camera took <laughs> very artsy very surreal Put her shit in the Louvre, guy you were sleeping with. Like, <laughs> oh, it's in the Met. Okay, good. Now yes, it is saying. now. She was just having, oh, yeah, a, an affair affair with the guy with the Put Louvre. it in. Put her art in. So she also, I think it's really cool. Around this time, she had a bit of a Mester Sheffield thing going on. Um, and the hair framing her face was like gray. I don't know if it was powdered, but the rest of her hair was dark, adding to kind of like the whole effect of her photos. Like it was all just very dramatic. I'm she guessing rode. it was powdered, <sighs> but then she started to really make a splash with her more provocative photos. She always had kind of low cut dresses and maybe she was wearing just a bedspread, but <laughs> soon she was taking it even further, having her bare legs and feet oh like photograph <laughs> if you want to call it that like there's literally just one photo where she's like it's like if you were laying sorry i can't lift my right knee any further yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's literally if you're laying in bed and you just took a picture of your feet that was one of the photos yeah but like gross ankles <laughs> 
ankles were hot, 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 hot. If ankles were hot, toes were even hotter, I think, at this point. Like, everyone was Quentin Tarantino. so crazy to me. And, like, collarbones oh. through, the roof, through the roof. Allie, a photo you took of me on 4th of July. My collarbone. My collarbone. Collarbone looks great, right? Yes. Is I it actually, one with you and Casey? Yes. I made Beyonce? it my background. That's a really hot collarbone. That's a hot collarbone. You guys look really good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome for that photo. Um, thank you. So, <laughs> so she's already showing a lot of collarbone, obviously. She has the low-cut dresses. But now her bare legs and feet are out. And this was seen as incredibly scandalous and very provocative. So much so that for some of them, they had to crop the upper half of her body out of the photo. And they were just having photos of her calves and her feet. <laughs> Porn from this era. The fact Unreal. that there are everybody had an acceptable mistress, but you mm. couldn't look at a person's yeah. legs and feet yeah. blows my mind. Mm. It blows my mind what people thought was proper and improper. It makes no sense. She also sent messages <laughs> with some of her photos. Oh no. So after the divorce, there was a pretty intense custody battle with Francesco. They're going back and forth, and he's like, you're obviously unstable. You're living in Paris, taking photos of your feet. <laughs> like, <laughs> you whore. You're not okay. <laughs> so he tries to get full custody. Yeah. So yeah. she sends him a photo. It's a portrait of her sneaking around a curtain, wearing, of course, an elaborate costume with a wild headpiece. And she has an angry look on her face. And then when you look at her hand, she is holding a knife. <laughs> and she called it La Vengeance. <laughs> that should have been the name of the cocktail. <gasps> it apparently scared Francesco so much that he dropped the custody suit. <laughs> he was shook by this photo. Like he like, I'm imagining he like gets the photo, opens up the envelope and shrieks and holds it and is like, Oh my God, I'm not dealing with this woman. She's insane. Ooh, yeah. I mean, but still. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you need to take a photo with a knife to get rid of somebody. Take a photo with a fucking knife. <laughs> like, sometimes. Get you on the <laughs> Iron Throne. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm... Okay. I don't think we've ever talked about this. I'm real pissed that they killed Khaleesi. <laughs> yeah. Got a lot of problems with Terrible the ending. Terrible ending. A lot of problems with the ending. Face switching should have come back. Anyway, not agreed. Agreed. Somebody okay. Put up a picture of Brand the other day, and they were like, what "Bran? Is, Bre, what's what Brienne? No, 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 no. The oh, the, the boy. Yeah, yeah. They put what it's like to get an A on a group project you didn't help with. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing. Yeah, fuck that kid. Yeah, honestly. Um, so honestly, <laughs> she also produced photos of herself as specific characters drawn from myth and art and literature and the Bible. She made herself into Lady Macbeth, Anne Boleyn, the Queen of Eritrea. Uh, she even made herself into Judith before she beheaded Holofernes. Love. <laughs> she made herself. Love. She made herself into a nun and even a corpse. <laughs> She was so dramatic. I want to be a corpse. Me too. Some people credit her with pioneering the field of surrealist photography. Because just think of how forward thinking her art was. This sounds like cosplay I to mean, me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> During a time of like stiff, sitting 
portraits, she was showing movement and creativity and characters. This is so fun. It's great. But I do have to acknowledge that she spent literally all of her... Sorry, I just (laughs) ran my hand into the lamp. She spent literally all of her money on these projects because she wasn't selling the photos. They're just for her. They're just for her. Well, and for her friends, uh, she actually spent even more money getting the photos printed, putting them into an album, and sending these albums filled with photos of herself and her feet to her friends so they could enjoy her beauty even if she wasn't around. (laughs) This is Instagram. Yeah, it's Instagram. Instagram. It's exactly Instagram. (laughs) I want you to see the fun that I'm having while I'm not with you. Them to her friends. Just yeah, these photos are just for herself and just to send to other people. It's she's making actually negative negative so much money on this project. It's just for hers. Okay, fun, good, good for her. Now, before we cast her aside as a simple narcissistic mistress monster, we do need to acknowledge not just her success in the studio, which is only appreciated, obviously, afterwards. Like, people didn't appreciate what she was doing in the photography studio until years later because no one saw these photos for a long-ass time. And even if they did, they wouldn't get it. They wouldn't get it. It wasn't wasn't art yet. Painting was art. Drawing was art. Sculpting Mm -hmm. was art. This was a newfangled technology. Yes. Um, We do need to acknowledge uh, her effect on global politics. (laughs) Okay. No matter how (laughs) things ended with her and Napoleon III in 1861, he did end up throwing his support behind the King of Sardinia, and Italy was finally united into (laughs) one kingdom. Now we know from the um, Anita Garibaldi thing that there was a lot more involved than just her. (laughs) But some people do credit Virginia with having France get involved in making this happen. She's a puzzle piece. Yeah, she is. She's absolutely a puzzle piece. And then there's one more important person she had a big influence on, German statesman Otto von Bismarck, which I know I know the name. And I was like, why does he, how does he factor into this story? So it's 1870. Franco-Prussian War is in full swing. Otto is considering coming in to France to occupy the city of Paris. But in a weird turn, he sets up a secret meeting with none other than Virginia. He asks her advice. And she says, please don't invade Paris. My whole life is here. And for some reason, he listened to her and he doesn't invade Paris. So some people say she saved the whole city from a German invasion. Damn. (laughs) At least this time. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, a however, couple other times yeah. that happens later on. Uh, two tragic things do happen in the late 1870s. In 1879, her son died suddenly from smallpox oh, at no. the age of 24, which <gasps> broke her heart. That's terrible. The other tragedy in her life was that she started to age. <gasps> she hated this. And as she mourned the loss of her son and her youthful looks 
Virginia started to become a recluse. Oh, my gosh. She locked herself away in her house, painted the walls black, kept the curtains drawn, and got rid of every single mirror in her home. If she left the house, it was only dressed in all black with a veil covering her face at night. She's wearing morning garb. Mm -hmm. Like, she is mourning the loss the of, her, loss of her youth. Yes. Which, that strikes me because I feel like I've only gotten prettier. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. I know. That. I know. And now I'm also only in my 30s. So yeah. like I don't understand what it's like to mm -hmm. feel like you are now out of the question. Right. Yeah. She it's hitting her very, very, very hard. Well, yeah. If you're getting rid of all your mirrors, somebody who like took pictures yeah. of mirrors on mirrors on mirrors, mm -hmm. like you're going down that escalator in the Baltimore Aquarium. I <laughs> exactly what the fuck i'm talking about i do <laughs> do you also know, remember when there was an escalator like that in white marsh mall no yeah there, in where in one of the stores or in the center in like the sears oh okay okay, in the okay. Sears. i entered in the, the jc pennies so <laughs> that's where we're different <laughs> <laughs> where did you enter the mall and why <laughs> Who enters through the Sears side? Leah Cronin, which is why I did it. What a recluse. <laughs> I don't want anyone to see me. <laughs> oh, my God. This Sears side. What are you buying? Tools? Are <laughs> <laughs> you buying Ty Bergeson, whatever his name is? What is his name? I have no idea. You need a grill, Katie? <laughs> I need 10 grills. <laughs> 10. Wow, this is going to be a party. Woo. Okay. So <laughs> she is a recluse and she spends almost two decades like this. But then. Does she, she ever love herself? She finally starts to appear again. And she gets back together with her old friend, photography partner, Pierre. And she's like, you know what? I was too beautiful when I was younger. We need to do an exhibition. <laughs> People need to see these photos. I was too beautiful. She had produced over 700 photographs of herself, and she thought it's finally time to show these to the world. <laughs> it was supposed to take place at the 1900 Paris Exposition, but unfortunately, Virginia would not make it there. Oh, no. She passed away on November 28th, 1899, at the age of 62. And she was buried at the Père Lachaise Cemetery in Paris. I'm not sure how many people she still had in her life at this point, but she, when she, like when she passed, but we know that one man was definitely around. The poet and, uh, Wikipedia's quote, not mine, dandy uh -huh. <laughs> Robert de Montague was obsessed with her when she was alive and even more obsessed with her when she passed away. Oh, he's a stalker. Uh huh. Upon her death, he purchased 400 of her self portraits, portraits, which thankfully meant for us that they eventually made their way to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Stop. Which is why we have her photos because this weird rich guy purchased them that's the only reason and we have he, any art yeah and bequeathed them to the to the met because he saw value in them when i think a lot of people didn't it's easy to paint virginia in a bad light but rather than simply say she was a self-obsessed narcissist i am going to remember her as a forward-thinking artist and an early promoter of self-love 
never like I have I've not <laughs> once thought of her as a bad person no I was mad on the part of Eugenia yeah. but other than that I feel like she was a really fun person to talk about I agree I that's why I was like a lot I I was having a hard time with finding a person for V and then I found her and I was like oh this is it here we go here we go here we go <laughs> All right. Are you ready to talk about these two women in conversation with each other mm-hmm. in a little segment we like to call just the two of us? They have so much in common. <laughs> so much in common. I just, first, I really think the fact that they were born minor nobility is so important because obviously Triton has a different mother. So I think he is higher than Ursula with Poseidon and her mother or whatever. Right. And and I think she's kind of dealing with that. She's growing up in minor nobility and her parents want her to be higher up. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting because it's a world that not many people get a glimpse into and that like, yes, I am privileged. Yes, I have this money, but also, especially as a woman in these circles, mm. it is up to you in a way to change your life. You change your family's life, too, if, if mm-hmm. you are only girls. If there's yes. no sons in your family, your family is then also responsible for paying dowries. Yes. Like, that's a huge responsibility on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And being beautiful helps. Yes. And I think that you have to use the tools at your disposal to grab whatever power is accessible to mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And I think Ursula did that. She goes, okay. Like, in Ursula's mind, she's like... I am not going, I'm already of the most upper class because there was actually no other place for Ursula to go. There's no one higher up for her to marry. The only person higher up is her brother. Right. So she's like, that's the only part of power that I am actually entitled to. Yeah. So like, I'm going to make a grab for that power. And I kind of feel like Virginia was doing the same thing. She goes, yes, I married up. But that was also not quite of my own doing. Like, this was forced upon me. So she was like, I'm going to grab whatever power I can for myself. And I think both of them did that. And they also had an interesting way of gaining power. Like, I was thinking about how they're luring people in. With Ursula, she's luring people in with, like, I have the power to make you look exactly how you want to look. And with Eugenia, I'm sorry, (laughs) with Virginia, it's more like, you're going to come, you're you're attracted to me. I have the power to make you feel how you want to feel. Exactly. I have the power to make you feel like you deserve to be with a woman who looks like me. Right. It's all... It's also fucking vain. It is vain, but I, you said it best when you said she was a woman who knows how things work. Yes. And that yes. was how it worked back then. Mm-hmm. Like she, Virginia, it's almost not her fault that she was so vain. She no. probably grew up silently sitting at dinner tables, listening to people talk about how much of a great bargaining chip she uh-huh. is. Uh Like that is crucial. So those are like core memories for her of adults speaking around her about how gorgeous she is. Yeah. Like you don't just end up like that. No. And Ursula knew how things work too. She's Mm -hmm. like, here's a contract. Here's this. Here's that. Let's do it. And they were both so honest about who they were. 
I do not think that for one second Virginia was putting on an act. No. She was like, no, yeah, I am a narcissist. I am obsessed with myself. Mm -hmm. Why would I talk about anything but myself at this party? Because that's the number one thing that interests me. You know, she, they're both luring people in and enticing people, but also giving them the full-blown truth. Oh, yeah. People first met Virginia and was like, this woman is obsessed with herself. And people meet Ursula. They are going to strike a deal with her. And she goes, I'm going to lay it out for you. This is what's going to happen. This is how painful it's going to be when you do not pay me back. Right. And the chance, I also think she's very clear. She's like, the chances of you paying me back are fairly slim. (laughs) She is just being very honest. And she's also like telling them like, these are the ways that you can get what you want. You can use sex appeal. You Mm -hmm. can use body language. She gives her strategies. Yes, she does. She's not just like, and those are the same strategies that Virginia used to win the like emperor of France. Yes. She's, they're not, they're both understanding of how a woman needs to interact in these very powerful patriarchal monarchical circles. Yeah. Because they both also know how to make an entrance. They know how to put on a show. Mm -hmm. They understand that to be a presence in their particular social worlds, they have to be big and bold and they have to be kind of tacky. Yeah. And I like that both of them were like, Virginia was a tacky ass person. You can't be <laughs> a pious Eugenia and make a no. splash. No, you can make an impact. Mm-hmm. You can't yes. make a splash. There's a big difference. Absolutely. And I also think it's interesting how, like, I think that if you were to take in Virginia's personality, it would look like someone like Ursula. We like to paint vain people as being ugly. This is something I remember from when I was a kid. Like, we were friends. My parents were friends with this couple. And the the wife was, like, kind of a monster. Like, mm. she was not very nice to people. Like, thought my family was absolute trash. Like, <laughs> like thought we were dirty. All that stuff. And, like, my dad used to say, he was like, when I first met this woman, I thought she was so gorgeous, so pretty. And he goes, and then I got to know her. And I felt her beauty slipping away. Like, I thought she was so ugly, you know, like the more I got to know her. And I feel like that's what we expect of a person like Virginia. Like, yes, when you first see her, she is gorgeous. She's beautiful. But then you're like, oh, you are so self-absorbed. Then then you start to see her as someone like Ursula. Yeah. When, you know, really like they're just trying to make it for themselves Mm -hmm. by any means necessary. Well, I thought about the way they were trying to make it is the way that like Disney animators Mm -hmm. were trying to make it. Like they were out of money. Mm -hmm. They were making these really artsy films with great stories, but nobody wanted to buy them. No. Until they created this, like, I mean, they they created a lot of amazing characters in that movie. I would say Ursula and Ariel are the standouts by far. Oh, yeah. Eric's fine, yeah. even though he is the first Disney prince to play an instrument. And one of two. <sighs> Whatever. 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 Uh, or three now, because of Hans. But then it's like. She was, Virginia's doing the same thing. She's like, I am creating and creating and creating, but I'm not 
selling it. Yeah. And it's not that she was trying to sell it. Mm-mm. It's just that like Disney was stiff and wasn't making money. Yeah. And she was just kind of doing her thing, but not making money from it. And that mm-hmm. contributed to her downfall. Yeah. Cause she could have been an artist, but she chose to see herself as a countess. And I also wonder if that's also pointing towards the vulnerability that a lot of people with uh, big egos have. A lot of people put on a big show because there's something they are so incredibly self-conscious about. I think Virginia was like, what if I actually put this out on the art scene and people don't like it? Right. Because she was in total control. Mm. And I think there's a, there's a big vulnerability with being yourself out in the world and she's like these photos are me this is exactly who I am and I kind of wonder if Ursula was feeling the same thing of like I have to put on this big show I have to sing this big song because like I'm embarrassed about the lack of power that I have and I'm embarrassed and like and I'm feeling shame about the fact that like I let my brother take all the power and now I'm mad about it. Now I want to do something about it. And now everybody thinks I'm a bitch. Right. And his wife, my only defender, is dead. Yeah. So, like, what do I do? What do I do? My nieces don't even know me. They don't even know I'm their aunt. Yeah. Like, th- those are the types of things that are, like, frustrating. And I, I feel mm-hmm. like Virginia, you know, when she lost her son, I think it's interesting to paint her as a mother because mm-hmm. often narcissist villains are painted as alone with their pet cats with their pet eels with their bird with you know like maleficent has a bird jafar has a bird Mm -hmm. she has her eels you know and they definitely don't have children right because villains can't be family people no how could they yeah and it's like i i think her having a son softens her but i also think that's really unfortunate for people who choose yes to not live the life that we've painted as societal perfectness yeah which is sad exactly Mm. god what a wonderful comparison i know (laughs) are you ready to toast these women ready who would you like to toast I want to toast women who are working within the system Mm. to Mm -hmm. get things done because sometimes that's the only way to do it. And sometimes you need women who are willing to sacrifice their own future to work in the system. Yes. And I just, I appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. How about you? I am toasting women who think that they are the shit. (laughs) I really do choose to see Virginia as a person who is just like, I love myself and I'm not ashamed that I love myself. Good. And I just love her for it. And I love that she was like, I I'm going to take a million photos of myself because I look my best right now. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that scene in Sex and the City where, you know, Samantha is like, I'm having nude portraits done because I've been working really hard. I look my best. And, like, I can't beat age. I know that. So, like, I'm going to take photographs of myself when I think I look my best. And I love it. Yeah. Take pictures of yourself. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> All right. What are you enjoying in pop culture this week? So I want to shout out to the Tangled soundtrack. Mm. 
because my mm-hmm. kids were not fans of Tangled. We mm-hmm. were big Princess and the Frog fans. They mm-hmm. came out a year apart. But any time a Tangled song comes on, I'm like, that's a bop. And it gets stuck in my head like all day yeah. anytime I hear it. Because sometimes we'll just like have Alexa play Disney songs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I never expect it because that's a movie where I've seen it once or twice yeah and most disney movies i've seen five six times you know Mm -hmm. so like it's not one where i know the words to every song and i'm just always surprised at how good it is i loved that movie when i saw it because i obviously i wasn't a kid when it came out so i saw it later in life and i watched it by myself one day and i was like this is actually like an underappreciated movie it is i think it's so good and uh, yeah i think it's I think it's wonderful. And I, the music is really good. And Mandy Moore is perfect. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> honestly. And truly, after a walk to remember, how can we not love her? <laughs> not? Okay. What are you promoting? I'm going to do it. I'm going to promote the Court of Thorns and Roses. Ah, finally! I, I, I finished it a while ago. And then I went through a grieving period. You have to. You have to. You lose your best friends. <laughs> and... It's really hard. It's been really hard on me to finish the series, which is why I feel like I need to promote it. It's so good. It's so good. Okay. So when you picked it up to read it on Uh a scale of one to 10, how good did you think it was going to be? I thought I didn't think it was going to be that good. I thought it was going to be like a six, seven. I didn't think that I was going to be reading for like four or five hours at a time. Mm Mm-hmm crazy it's right? unreal it's unreal i don't know how she does it the author's amazing <sighs> sarah mass amazing so if you are looking to get really into something yeah pick up this book series it's so good and i my and actually like ironically my favorite book might be a court of silver flames which is which kind is of like the, the spin-off one. yeah it's spin-off kind of spin-offy you know but yeah i'm yes it's yeah. so fucking good so if you're looking for new series to read, go read it. I'm I'm so glad you liked it because I yeah. always get nervous when I suggest mm-hmm. books because I read so many books and mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not a big critic. I'm the kind of person who like watches a movie and I'm like, that entertained me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm like, okay, I like it. And I feel like this that's job. Yeah. Okay. It kept me occupied for two hours or whatever. So I, when I recommend something, I really do mean it. Yes, yes, yes. And it was good. And I'm excited for you at the beach to read Crescent City. I've already started. Oh my God. How far are you? I'm not that far. I'm a little overwhelmed with how different the world is. It's a different world. It's very different. But it so, gets, gets just as good. Oh, okay, good. Cause mm-hmm. like I know that it's gonna get good, but like I'm a little overwhelmed because I'm it came in hard at it first. It came in hard. With so words I, you don't know. I know I'm gonna get used to it, yeah. but it yes. It's very different. <laughs> it's a very different. So, everyone, we love you. (laughs) So much. We hope you're having a good week. We hope you're having a good summer. Yeah. And uh, we want you to follow us on everything. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on the things. Facebook. We post our cocktail recipes every Tuesday. Drink with us. Please drink with us. It's so fun. And just get a thing of cocktail caviar. Put it on everything. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> Show us what you're drinking even. Tag oh, us in your drink we pictures. We love when you tag us in your pictures. It's so Even if wonderful. it's not what we drank. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. care if you, I, don't, drink I don't care if you're drinking margaritas every week. Ugh. I hope you're I drinking wish margaritas every I was Mark. <laughs> I wish I was drinking margaritas every week. Honestly and truly. So we love you. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts mm. if you have a second. Uh, thank you, Elizabeth Block, for giving us our latest review. What a sweetheart. Beautiful. Please get her book, she, Dressing Up. It's beautiful. It's w- perfect. The pictures in what it are What a perfect amazing. book. And her Instagram is so fucking yeah, good. Yeah, it's really great. So we love you. And never forget that well-behaved women do not store pans in their oven. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> I do. And they really make history. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> listening to her story on the rocks we are independently produced by 1986 entertainment and proudly recorded in baltimore maryland if there's a woman in history you would like us to cover you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com you can also message us on twitter or instagram we post all of our cocktail recipes on tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us see you next week bye